This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers web zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian. 49ers web zone, No Huddle Podcast, now partnered with Odyssey. I'm Al Sacco. He's Zane Nakvi. Uh, no Brian Reddick today. Just me and Zane. Zane, like the old days, buddy. It's just me and you. Just like old times, Al, but... It's not like old times for the Niners because things are looking up. Things are looking up. And that, now that you mention it, kind of wanted to see, okay, we're at a quarter-ish into the season, right? Now with 17 games, it's not quite a quarter. But so many things have happened. Obviously, Trey Lance gets hurt. And my expectations for this team have changed a little bit. Where, where, where are you on, on where you were with the expectations and where you are now? So the, the Denver game was kind of a, a harsh sort of wake-up call for me because I was like, you know, th- this version of of the 49ers and specifically like Najee McRoppolo is not going to win a lot of games just because they were totally discombobulated on offense, couldn't really get anything going. But then they turned in that performance against LA, you know, this week. And it was – the our offense was marginally better. Like they weren't like dominant, but like you had those plays by Debo and, and, and he kind of carried the team a little bit. But – to me, like now, it, it was about Trey's development to me before the season. I, and I had said before the season that I didn't think that they would make the playoffs because I thought they would just miss out because they would sacrifice those those wins for Trey's development. So now, and this has has no, and this is not indicative of who I want starting one or one over the other. This is more so just who is ready now. And with Jimmy, it seems like they they can kind of like hit the ground running and what they've been doing the last five years, they just kind of keep doing it, right? We know what that is, right? It's not necessarily enough to get you over the hump of winning a Super Bowl. I feel like you need more to fall in, in, in place for you, but I think it's enough to get you get you to the playoffs. And now the Niners are are atop the division. They are in sole possession of first place with two really winnable games on the road in the East Coast. They're going to stay on the East Coast, much like they did in the last couple of seasons between these two games. And they've got Carolina next, and Carolina is a total mess right now with Baker Mayfield, who's been terrible this year. Carolina's bottom third of the league in both offense and defense, specifically in rushing defense. They're, they're number 24, number 25. So I think that if you can string a couple of wins together here before you hit that stretch of Kansas City and then LA, and then you have Tampa Bay later on the season, if you, before you can, did you can just stack some wins before that? I think that they'll be okay. So really, Alec, they're pretty much a game off of what I thought they would be. I thought they would be maybe three and one or two and two by this point. And they are two and two, but that one game you could argue is like Denver or Chicago. So they're kind of in line with what I thought they would be when, when Trey went down. Um, so I, cause to me, it's been two discussions, right? It's like, okay, what would we think that they would have been with Trey and what are they now? And that's two completely different things to me. Yeah. And, and I thought too, with Trey, so this is going to be a year where I still had playoffs as an expectation, but like you said, a lot of it was about the development with Trey. 
because and because I didn't know what they were going to get from him, it was hard for me to really say like this is a Super Bowl contending team, you know, whatever the situation may be. Um, now with him hurt, I almost feel like it's more of a run it back season again, right? You see how good defense I knew was going to be good. I didn't know it was going to be this good. This this defense is looking special, absolutely special. Offense I thought would have bumps in the road which they're doing anyway, <laughs> but at least we know what this offense, we know what we've seen before. We know that if Jimmy can at least take care of the ball, they're, they're going to win a lot of games. And I had them at 11 and six. And I wonder where I have them now. Should we go through this? Do you want to go through and see maybe what, where we have them really, really quick? Absolutely. Okay. So we got, we got them. It's two, they're two and two, obviously right now mm-hmm. at Carolina this week. You don't want to get too much in the preview, but I think that's, that's a win for sure. Yeah, I got Carol. I got the winning against Carolina as well. Absolutely. There too. All right. yeah. Falcons, I think win. Yep. Likewise. All right. Kansas City. I don't. Th- I don't think they're going to win that game. Uh, they don't have enough offense right now. Like if they can pull out, you know, both both of Kyle and Jimmy can pull out like a Saints game of twenty nine circa twenty nineteen, they'll have a better chance. But they just don't have enough offense right now to compete with them. So when I look at the Rams, I always think they're going to split. It's kind of always the way I look at things, but after seeing the way the last three years have gone and what happened in this first game, I I think they kind of own the Rams. Mm -hmm. So I got them at five and three, I think going into the bye. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll agree with that. Yeah. Right. So here's where it gets dicey. And here's where I think people really thought they were going to have a tough schedule at the end. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that they do anymore. I think I saw somewhere they have the third or fourth easiest schedule now strength schedule or something like that. Right. And it doesn't look as daunting as it did. You come out of the bye with the Chargers, who have a lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't look Bosa is going to be playing in that game and everything else. And, and again, I think that that's a home game off a of bye. I'm going to keep going back to this defense. I, I think the Niners can win that. That's the Anthony Lynn revenge game, right? Yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it, again, with Herbert, he's always going to give them a chance no matter what when you have an elite quarterback like that. But the the health on that team is just – they've – consistently year in year out been terrible so and i don't really believe in the coaching that much of that team so uh, you know i can see the Niners win that game yeah absolutely all right arizona i just don't think they're going to go undefeated in the division i think they're going to get a loss somewhere mm-hmm. i don't but i'm i always do the splits so are they at arizona or home to arizona that week they are uh home to arizona and then is there a game in mexico this year with arizona week 18 that's the last game now is, is that's, that the, that's the last game okay yeah all right, so this is oh, – I'll say this is another win. I'm going to give this one another one. Yeah, this this is a Monday night game here. Uh, I'm going to say, yeah, that, that, that they won that one, yeah. Okay. Wow, is this right? They have how many straight home games? One, two, three, four, five straight home games? Five. Uh, you know what? Actually, that – It's got to be the Mexico game, right? That's got to be the Mexico game, yeah. Yep, okay. Exactly, yeah. I'll also give Although, one. Looking at the schedule, the, uh, the, the schedule on January 8th says TBD, so for, for time um, – so it may be a flex game or I'm not sure. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, it does look kind of confusing. All right, so the next game is New Orleans. And, and again, I don't trust that quarter. I think the Niners can win that game. I don't believe in them. Yeah, I don't believe in them. Yeah. All right. Mike McDaniel Bowl, 12-4. I think with Miami, like they've kind of pulled two wins out of their ass. I kind yeah. of don't know what they are yet. Yeah. And like Tua, like we don't know what his health is, right? Like the guy's... The, the poor guy, like they're sy- systemically like killing the guy, like in Miami. I don't know what they're doing over there. So yeah, I, I, trying I, to, yeah. I, I want to, I'm going to just take an aside for a second and talk about the, the whole Tua thing, because this is a big, a big deal right now in the NFL. And he had a concussion 
the, the week prior, the game prior, four days prior to playing on the Thursday night. He should have been taken out of that game against the Bills. And, you know, he was wobbling around, and it's clear that he had a concussion. And the the independent independent physician who examined him has subsequently been fired, so they acknowledged that they messed up. And then they put him out there on a Thursday night game on short rest, and he absolutely, like, just, I mean, that was one of the scariest concussions I've ever seen, like, you know, in, in the sport. Just awful, awful stuff. And in, in every- Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead, Al. I was going to say, that's one of the things where, like, sometimes you think people don't have a voice, but what happened, the outcry from that game, I think made people start to think differently about this and sort of maybe force some hands because the outcry was everywhere. When you see him on the ground with his, you know, his fingers contorted and everything, it was, it was frightening, frightening. I see any human being go through that. And Pete, you know, fans were pissed. Players were pissed. Ex-players were pissed. There was, there was like, People spoke out, spoke out, and hopefully that's going to cause for some change. Um, so it was good to see. So, you know, don't think you don't have a voice, you do. And, and I, I thought that was a bad situ- a good thing to come out of a bad situation in the sense that people really pushed the envelope and said enough is enough with this. And I think, it, you know, I think that guy got, the doctor got fired, and I think the NFL is going to look at things differently because of the public outcry. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, like, it's just – you can't player safety and all this stuff, Thursday night football. Like I, you know, it's nice to have Thursday night football because it's such a, you have it during the week. But I just think that like, if you really cared about player safety, Thursday night football does not exist. And yeah, and it's not enough time for guys to get ready. It's not the, the quality of the games isn't always good. And then you have something like this. So who knows if two, I going to be playing that game, but Mike McDaniel, it's, it's the one game where it's just on the schedule. And I was like, literally like, I don't know what's going to happen because he knows Kyle so well. He's been with Kyle. Mm-hmm at every single stop in his career up until now, until, until this year. So gosh, it's a toss up. I'm going to say the Niners maybe win by slim margin because it's at home. I think so too, for the same reason. Next game is Tampa Bay. The way I would see this game going is a defensive battle and Tampa Bay forces Jimmy into mistakes. Yeah. I think that Tampa Bay defense might be a bad matchup for the Niners. I would give them a loss here. Yeah. And that's Tom Brady's last for sure, last time playing in the Bay Area. We thought the last time was last time, right? This this is actually going to be the last time playing in the Bay Area. So I think that he's going to be home. And uh, that's, you know, how he is with motivation, right? And I don't expect him to be Tampa Bay. I don't expect them to, right? That's the greatest quarterback of all time. So, yeah, agree, agree there. At Seattle is the next game. I don't care. Seattle's garbage. 10 and they're 4. They're trash. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> no, those I don't care what they're doing right now. Yep. Washington, I think the defensive line will absolutely eat against Carson Wentz. I think that's an easy win on Christmas Eve. Likewise. Yep. Yep. Raiders, that'll be a fun one. Um, I think Josh McDaniels is a huge fraud, and mm-hmm. I think the Niners will win that game as well. Yep. And then I think just because I don't think you're going to sweep the division, I'm going to give them a loss to Arizona at the end of the season. Because they're going to be sitting the starters because they would have already locked up the division and a playoff spot, and then they sit the starters, and then we don't care about that game, and then they just lose. So that's I'm cool mm-hmm. with that. With twelve wins, probably if they have twelve wins at that point, like we have it, I, I don't think the Rams are getting to twelve. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think the Cardinals are getting nice. twelve. So, mind you, yeah. the, the Rams and the Rams and Cardinals and all these things—they've they, been, I mean, relatively healthy. They've had injuries, like we don't know what's going to go on with Odell, Odell Beckham, whether he's coming back or not, mm-hmm. whether he wants to play football anymore for the Rams. But you know, both of those teams, like they haven't, they've had injuries, but not like the 49ers have, right? So the Niners are going to get more healthy as the season goes on. Well, you'll see more attrition from other teams. And I think that's that's going to be something that's going to be big. And, and we talked about it on our show a couple of days ago where you got Verrett and Jimmy Ward practicing this week and they have a chance to play on Sunday. I mean, that's huge. You're getting two starting caliber, Pro Bowl caliber players back to your roster 
and you're getting your RB1 Elijah Mitchell back in a few weeks. You're getting your Hall of Fame left tackle Trent Williams back in a few weeks. And it's going to be off to the races for the second half of the season. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, so I had them at 12 and 5 this time around. And what did you hear? Them not making the playoffs. So would you have like about nine wins before? I, I didn't. I, yeah, I have them at nine wins. Yeah. So that's a three game difference for you. Only a one game difference for me. And I kind of think going into the playoffs again, whereas with Trey, there wouldn't have been a ton of pressure because you have this young quarterback and just hey, if you're going to the playoffs with a young QB, let's get him some experience. Let's hope he has some good games. Now I think this is sort of like last year, where this is sort of the, feels like the last ride again, right? with Garoppolo and everything else. So I think if, if, and when they get into the playoffs, there's, there's a lot more pressure this year to get it done. It's going to be one of those, this is kind of the last ride with this group, a lot of pressure to win the Super Bowl, And then next year, again, you kind of go into the question marks with Lance, you would assume unless something crazy happens and I wouldn't take anything off the table. They end up with Aaron Rodgers or something. Seriously. I, wouldn't, I, just, <laughs> or, I wouldn't take anything off the table. The or Kirk Cousins or something crazy like something that, right? Crazy, right? wouldn't wouldn't be surprised but let's let, let's not go there yet after the two off seasons we've had let's just assume it's going to be trey and everything's going to be good and and we'll yeah. be good to go from there so i hope so but yeah you know i i think it's going to be I, I think it's going to be an exciting season for them and you look at the nfc west saying so it's kind of weird everybody's two and two and i guess the niners are technically in first place because they're they're two and oh in the division mm-hmm. but i was looking at the points per game today for the division seahawks are at 23.8 which is 11th in the league Cardinals are scoring 22, 14th. And then the Niners are 28th at 17.8. And the Rams are 29 at 17.5. That's got to flip, right? I mean, that's that's yeah. doesn't make any sense on any level. Yeah. Well, I mean, Seattle had that 48-point game against that's the, the Lions this past week, right? So that's going to help them. And the Niners had a, had two awful offensive showings back-to-back where you lost, your, uh, you lost in a monsoon in Chicago and then well, they weren't back to back. You sandwiched between that Seattle game, but like they, they lost in the monsoon in Chicago, and then a couple of weeks later they lose. You know, just a, a nail biter in Denver where the offense is doing nothing. So I don't anticipate those types of on- offensive performances to continue for this team. Like it's very rare that they don't even score. You know, ten points, or they score like only like you know ten or twelve points, right? So mm-hmm. it'll flip eventually, but you know, it takes time for a Kyle off a Kyle Shannon offense to get going. We know this. It'll take time, and and, and they start slow. So I don't expect them to hit their stride where they're scoring like 25 plus points a game until you know middle of the season until I get more healthy. Right now it's more so just like let's tread water. I feel almost like and somebody brought this up on Twitter and I saw it and I was like you know maybe this is true. I feel like Kyle's making a concerted effort to keep his quarterback healthy because if this quarterback goes down for any period of time, the season is over. That's right. it. Like your Brock Purdy is not going to lead them anywhere, despite what people want to think. And the the history the historical record is there, right? I, how many undrafted free agent quarterback le- slash seventh round quarterbacks have ever led their their teams to anything? And I don't want to hear about Tom Brady because he's the he's the outlier in this. So you have to keep this quarterback healthy, and and I think that that's why you saw a lot of quick release, quick hitting stuff because he doesn't want him hold on to the ball because he doesn't want him getting hit. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's one of his focuses at this point. Yeah, especially with Jimmy's history, you, you just can't risk it. Again, yep. they have, you know, Kyle knows this is a big season for him. He's got to win. He's got to get to the playoffs. And, and the quarterback health has been a, a big reason of him not doing that. So he's, they have to kind of try to keep Jimmy upright. Did a good job of that against the Rams. I mean, offensive line kept them clean. Mm-hmm. So if they can keep doing that, you know, they'll be in good shape. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Did want to follow up too from our last show. We talked about the three defensive players with Hufunga, Bosa, and Ward. I did, I have to correct myself. I said on the, on the show, when I listened back to it, Bosa had three tackles for loss. He has six. So he's third in the league. He has six tackles for loss. So I want to clear that up. But I want to follow one thing on Chavarius Ward because um, I was looking. I was looking at it more today. I really think he might be, if not the most, one of the most underrated free agents in the entire league. So when when QBs are targeting him, they have a rating of thirty five point four. He's given up just eight completions on seventeen targets through four games. He's been absolutely sensational. And, you know, we know E-Man's been really good. And I, I just think the difference with this defense to me, you know, we talked about last on our last show about the, maybe the best defense since 95. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about that today too. And I'm like, okay, well, what's the difference with this defense versus, you know, maybe the 2011 team or 2019 team? I think it's that the secondary is so good now. Mm-hmm. You know, before they had, you know, decent secondaries or whatever, but I don't, I don't think it's anywhere near what it is right now with Ward, Mosley and Lenore's playing really well in the slot. Womack played well when when, he, when he's had a chance to. And then the safety group where you have Hufunga, who's who's been a ball hawk, which makes a huge difference on a defense. And then Gibson's, the, I think he's the third highest ranked safety for pro football focus. And Jimmy Ward and Jason Verrett, their practice window open this week, so they could be back this week. So I think that's the big difference is the secondary on this defense to me is – Again, it, it feel like it's an elite unit, and then you put that with that elite front seven. I don't want to get ahead of myself because injuries happen, and you never know. But I, mm-hmm. I just feel like we could be in for a special, special season defensively. Yeah, and the Mooney Ward signing, I, I mentioned that during our training camp shows, and that was actually I said the exact same thing that this is going to be one of the most underrated signings in, in the entire NFL, and it and it has been through a month of the season. So the the difference, like you said, Al, between this team and those early 2010 teams, those Harbaugh teams, the Fangio teams is a secondary. And that's, that's the biggest thing. Like the, I'd say the linebackers on those teams are probably better, but that's not to say like the linebackers now are bad. It's just, you're literally comparing them to hall of famers, right? Like Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman, you know, like all perennial, all pros, right? So the, the bar set so high, but you know, the linebacking crew in this, on this team is, is in my opinion, the best in the league, right? So it's not, it's no knock against them, but the, the biggest difference I think is you had Carlos Rogers and Terrell Brown. At, at corner in, mm-hmm. in the Harbaugh years, right? And Carlos Rogers was like a reclamation project. Terrell Brown and, and Chris Culliver, right? Like who never ended up really doing anything after they left the Niners. They, you know, they were kind of just like whatever guys in the front, the front four really dominated and mm-hmm. they really get pressure without blitzing and, and all that stuff. It was a very, very different time. And now you're looking at the, the strength of the, the team being 
you know, the back end of this, the, the, the defense in many ways. Hufanga is a superstar in the making. You've got Tashawn Gibson was, was on that Jaguars defense that was number one for, for a couple of years there. Yeah. When they had Blake Bortles, then they couldn't really do anything when they went to the championship game. So he's he's got that experience and he's been part of an elite unit. So it's been it's they're just really fun to watch out. I think that's the biggest thing is that like defense isn't sexy. It's not today. It's not what people want to see. But like they're so dominant and they're so much fun to watch. And it's it's just such a pleasure, man. It's what I want to see. And and I yeah. just like I mentioned last show, I, I love when the defense goes out there and you just know the other team is not going to get anything. And I felt that way in 2011. I remember watching that defense. I was like, you know, the night because Niners didn't score a lot that year. Alex Smith was, you know, Alex Smith, and maybe they're putting up 17 points, but I would just feel like that's enough. Like we're fine. You know, it'll be 17-13, 17-10. This defense won't, you know, isn't going to give up much more than that. And I feel that way now. I, I really do. And it's going to be interesting to see them against teams like the Chiefs. But going into these next two games, I'm, you know, I've, I've talked to nauseam that we're worried about. I'm worried about. I'm worried about the offense. But I don't think it matters in the next two games at all. Like, that's a really cool feeling. I feel like if they get to 20, they're going to win, both of them. Right. Baker Mayfield and Marcus Mariota, I'm, I'm not scared of that at all because you can't run on the Niners, two-point yards per attempt. And these guys are going to try to throw against that secondary and that pass rush. I, I can't wait. I, it's just like I just want to sit back with a beer and just, just watch the carnage. Like, that's what I feel <laughs> like right now. You know, it's, it's just awesome. Especially the Panthers, right? Because they're not good at stopping the run, right? So that's what the Niners' bread and butter is. So you're going to see a lot of a lot of Jeff Wilson Jr., maybe Tevin Coleman. I mean, I'd like to see Jordan Mason more, but you're going to see a lot of a lot of handing the ball off, Jimmy turning around, turning around, handing it off, doing what he does best, and uh, you know maybe make a throw here and there. Just don't mess it up because these are two. I hate the term because it's it's overused and played out, but these are two trap games for the 49ers, and they have to they have to understand that these are games that they have to have because these are the, uh, the uh, there's no lollipops in the NFL, right? Like any team could be any team, but this is as close as it gets. Yeah. And they should, they should dominate both. And it's funny because the, the Atlanta game, they're talking over there about how Kyle Pitts kind of vanished from their, their game plan, much in the way that George Kittle has, has kind of vanished from the game plan here. And um, Akash Navaratan, who's, who's one of our the friends of the show put out a stat on, the percentages that certain tight ends are, are being used to block. And George Kittle was at about 10%. Tyler Higby was 10%. And um, uh, Travis Kelsey was like two, two, two and a half percent. And there's, there's a, there's a whole like list of them. And, you know, to me, even George Kittle blocking at 10% is uh, Gusecki was the other one that was at 10%, right? So mm. the three guys at 10% were Gusecki, Kittle and, and, um, uh, uh, Gosh, I, I totally blanking here. So, anyways, regardless, <laughs> Kittle it should not be at ten percent because you know his skill set is so different than the other guys that are there. And he's when he's not blocking, he's running clear out routes and he's not getting the ball. We talked about how Travis Kelsey gets plays schemed up for him. He gets played. He got targeted eight times in the first half against Tampa Bay. And to me, that is what the Niners should be doing at this point. They should be force feeding your tight end the ball. He's your all world tight end. He's got 21 catches in the last eight games, right, Al? I believe that was the stat that mm-hmm. he put out. Yep. Unacceptable. Like, he's he's the, well, I would say now third best tight end in the league. Kelsey is clearly the best. And then you can argue that Mark Andrews is better as well mm-hmm. because he gets the ball. So Yeah. Yep. So Yeah. And, and Shan- today's Wednesday, and Shanahan had some comments about Kittle that I want to mm-hmm. read to you. But before I do, support for the No Huddle podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. 
Their products are precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package the ultimate men's hy- is the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle. Join over 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code NOHUDDLE at manscaped.com. And if my math is correct, that's about 12 million balls. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code NOHUDDLE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use NOHUDDLE. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. So Shanahan was asked about Kittle today. And he said, the more Kittle is out there and healthy, the more he practices, the more he can get back in his routine. I think that stuff will take care of itself in terms of him getting the ball. The the plays that went to him, I thought he did a good job in in the game against the Rams. Kittle affects the game in so many ways, the run in the pass. We definitely want to get him the ball more, but it's something we're not concerned about. We think it will take care of itself just as we get going. So obviously Kyle is not going to say anything other than that. Um, But I'm kind of glad that he's at least getting asked about it. Kind of glad that it's at least kind of in the forefront. And I feel like Kittle is due for one of these really big games. You know, one of these like 10 catch, 130 game, 130 yard type games. And before before Kittle went into this funk, that's why when people are kind of like, oh, is he regressing? Um, is it this? Is it that? Before Kittle went in this funk, he he was on an absolute tear. Absolute tear. And I got, I'm trying to get the stats up right now. He had a three-game stretch scene in 2021 where he was just absolutely destroying people. And I'm, I'm going to get it as I'm talking here. But one of the reasons I just I want to see him get involved more against because this offense isn't doing what it should. And you just have the star player. And when I hear things like, you know, I don't know, well, he's double covered or this, that, the other thing. Like other other stars don't get covered. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you brought up that point about, about Travis Kelsey they find ways to get him the ball. Mark mm-hmm. Andrews, sometimes it feels like, you know, was the only weapon for the Ravens. They they find ways to get him the ball. So it's kind of the same thing with, with Kittle, where I just want to see the Niners find ways to get him the ball. You think about what he did in that game a couple years ago um, against the Saints, where he catches a short pass and he just carries people 40 yards down the field or whatever it was. And that is what, that's what he's, capable of so what Kittle did before this before the stretch where he went into this funk three games he had nine first game nine catches 181 yards two TDs second game 13 catches 151 yards one TV and then the third six for 93 and then he went into that funk and his catch percentages in those games were 75 percent 86 percent 100 percent so they were throwing him the ball he was catching the ball and he was making big plays and then this funk so it just does it just kind of doesn't add up to add up to me um and hopefully again with kyle saying this maybe it's in the forefront of his mind and we're going to see kittle more involved i hope so and maybe the injury has obviously has something to do with it because timing and all that stuff and getting getting your sea legs and all that stuff that i I think there is something to that but at some point there's just no excuse for not even targeting him and Mm -hmm. is it is it jimmy is it kyle whatever it is but i mean like Really, it comes down to this, that there's certain plays where, for example, like there was a play that we saw uh, where Kyle Juszczyk was running down the middle of the field. You and you and Brian kind of mentioned that. So that's not that, that that's not going to be an option, right? Your fullback running down the field should not be an option, right? They're going to like your first option should be like your tight end, Debo, Ayuk, somebody like that, right? So I'm more concerned that we're seeing plays dialed up for like Juszczyk and Charlie Warner 
and we're not seeing specific plays dial up for George Kittle. And fine, if he's double covered, that's that's one thing. But he just they're not even they're not even trying to get him the ball. They're not they're not trying these little design small little dump offs to him where he just turns around five yards and like gets you know those little confidence building catches. You don't see any of that. Like the the, the whole Kelsey thing because I watched I watched that game and it was interesting to me because Kelsey was not running down the field like they were not significantly a downfield passes they were all about 10 12 yards and under and it was all in that box and basically around the first down marker and and before it and it's things like that 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 will get that timing down and allow your quarterback to kind of ease into getting getting him the ball or or allow your coach to ease into scheming up plays for him and they're just not doing that and to me like Kyle said he's not concerned I'm kind of I'm I'm like I don't know like if if, if this was a concernometer I would probably be like uh, probably like a five or six at this point because it's just mm-hmm. been going back to last year and they, they still haven't figured it out. Yeah. You're talking half a season now. And I agree with you with the injury this year, but um, it doesn't kind of doesn't explain last year either. So you hope it's not a trend. You hope it's not a decline. You know, Kittle does take a lot of punishment. Um, you know, you hope he, he's, he's not in that decline stage. I, I don't think he is, but you know, we'll have to, we'll have to kind of wait and see how it goes. Now these games coming up saying we look at this Carolina end of, end of this the last time the Niners played Carolina, they beat them 51 to 10. And then, or was it 50? I think it was 51 to 10. And then when they played Baker Mayfield that same year, I think it was 31 to three. So all that tells me is that the Niners are going to win this game like 83 to 13. That's what that tells me. <laughs> be, right. But Man, so Mayfield, Mayfield has been awful this year. And like, I knew he was bad, but I looked at the numbers today. So his completion percentage is 54.7%. That's 31st. His yards per attempt is 6.4, 27th. Yards per game, 187, 28th. His rating is 30th at 70, 75. And his QBR is 15.3. It's 31st. The last time he played the Niners, he was 8 for 22 for 100 yards with two picks and a lost fumble. His QB rating was 13.4. So you're struggling like this, and congratulations, you get the best defense in the league. And that's why I just I, – I cannot – you know, I feel like our guys like DJ Moore do. Yeah, DJ Moore is a hell of a player, and he, he's got 13 catches this year. Um, Chris, Christian McCaffrey, he's putting up nut numbers, but, you know, it hasn't been like a game-breaking thing for him, at least not in terms of, of leading his team to a victory or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, you have Robbie Anderson. It's okay. You know, he's got 12 catches for 174 yards, but nobody who really scares you. The only way I can see – there's two ways I can see the Niners this even being a game. One, it's a short week. You're going across the country. It's an early game. You never know, right? You start out flat. Crazier things have happened. The other is that Jimmy just has a couple stupid turnovers or there's fluky turnovers from somebody else. That is the only way I can see the Carolina Panthers even being in this game. And I know Carolina hasn't gotten killed this year. You know, they've, they've been in the games that, that they've played. Um, they lost 26 to 24 to the Browns, 19 to 16 to the Giants. They beat the Saints 22 to 14, and they lost to the Cardinals 26 to 16. So they're not getting annihilated, but I don't think they've run into a buzzsaw like this defense. And I just don't think they're going to be able to hang, put enough points up to hang with the Niners. Yeah, I agree. And also it's, it's actually a late game. So. Oh, is it a, a one, it's not a one o'clock game? No, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a four o'clock Eastern start time. So it's a one oh. o'clock. Yeah. Look at so, that. Okay, so I'm a moron. So it is a late game. So it's it's not an early game. 
It is four o'clock Eastern. So it is across the country. It is a short week, but it, but it's a late game. Okay. I didn't yeah. did not even know that. Get the, get the body clock. Right. So I think that, it, and the funny thing is like, I mean, you, you mentioned what all the things I wanted to talk about with their offense, right? Like they're not getting anything outside of Christian McCaffrey. They don't really have great receivers. Their defense isn't very good. Matt rule is basically like a dead coach walking at this point. Like they're oh, yeah. already talking about getting rid of him. So I think that you'll probably see a coaching change in Carolina Sam Darnold had won that job, right? Like that's basically what it was. It was going to be Sam Darnold's job. He got hurt and Baker Mayfield ended up starting by default. That That's kind of what it was. And I feel like the whole thing behind Baker Mayfield was that he had, he had an elite group of receivers in Cleveland when he played there and, and elite skill players. And he was able to make it work up to a certain extent, but it was only like a small flash in the pan. And I think that, you know, because of that, that kind of showed everybody that, well, he's probably not, as good as people thought he was. Um, mm-hmm. There was, I don't even remember like around the time that they played that game uh, when Baker Mayfield came here, they, they played that, um, that, that primetime game. There's a lot of like hype behind him and, and Oh, like so much Baker disrespect and things like that. And the Niners absolutely just destroyed them. And that was kind of it. Like you just never really heard from him again. Right. And I, I kind of expect the same thing to happen now. Like, it's, you know, Bosa has a chip on his shoulder, right? Because of the whole college thing of flag. Right. You know, he's still thinking about that. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets to him what he does. But there's just the Niners, you know, I, I, I criticize Kyle Shanahan a fair bit for when he, he messes up. But I will say this, that it's the first time since Jim Harbaugh where I've consistently felt that they can be in every game. Like they have a chance to win every game. Aside from maybe like that Kansas City game, even I still think they have a chance. But like, you walk into this and you're like, all right, like this, this is a win. This should be a win. You have a chance here to win. Like, it's not like, oh, well, they're going to get blown out like when they were bad or when they had bad personnel. So that being said, these games that they should win, I think that you should beat Carolina pretty handily. I don't think that Jimmy. I think that he's realizing that like, okay, well, I don't have to do stupid stuff. Just play, play the playbook and uh, don't make any idiotic throws and, and they win the game. So, And Jimmy so far this season, and I know there's probably, there's definitely been some throws that, you know, maybe were a little bit dicey, but, and I know it's a small sample size, but his interception percentage is currently at 1.3%. Mm-hmm. That is by far, you know, if it stays consistent to that, the best he's had in his Niners career, he's at 2.8% for his 49ers career, and he's never been lower than 2.7% in a season. And the turnovers are generally what kill him. You know, again, even when you have your Jimmy's playing well, sometimes he'll be 13 out of 16 and he's cruising and the score is maybe 13 to three. And then he throws a pick and all of a sudden it's 13 to six or 13 to 10. You see that if he can avoid that. Yeah. Like you said, they're, they're going to be really, 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 really tough to beat. And I think in this game, I, I still don't know that the offense gets going yet. I don't feel like they're there, but I do think I think Kittle's going to get more involved for sure this week, which is a good thing. Right now, in terms of their targets, Debo Samuel has 28, Ayuk has 23, Juwan Jennings has 15, and then Kittle in his two games has has nine. So again, you want to see Kittle. So I, I'd like to see him get six, seven targets a game. <laughs> you know, I really try to get him involved, really try to get him in space, get some big plays, have him knocking over some people. Um, get things going. I'm looking for a big game from him this week. And I also am looking to get that running game going a little bit more consistently. I do like what Jeff Wilson's done. He's had some big runs. You know, I'm a Jeff Wilson guy. Mm-hmm. I like to see a little bit more there. You know, there's been some big runs and then it, it's been tough, tough sledding for a while. I'd like to see some consistent runs today and get them going and really just control the football, get Kittle involved. I don't think they're going to put up 30 plus points, 
but I think they can be safely in the twenties and I don't think Carolina is going to get more than 13. So I, I think even if there is a little bit of across the country lag for them, I, I think the Niners are going to, are going to win this game easily. I think so too. I think it'd be, it'll be one of those games where it's like a short game because their mm-hmm. defense, Al, the funny thing is, is that if you look at the statistics from the Rams game the, and the time of possession, the Rams possessed the ball like a significantly longer time than the 49ers did. And that to me is after the the week where Denver significantly possessed the ball more than the Niners did in, in that game as well. Um, yeah. So I think that like those things, they, they start to chip away at your defense and the health of your defense. So I think that this is going to be one of those games where they try to even that out, get the defense some rest, limit their opportunities and, and really control the clock because they will be able to run the football against Carolina. Like they're, they're just a terrible run defense. So assuming that everybody stays healthy and, and the offensive line, which has been fantastic. Aaron Banks, by the way, he has been really like just an absolute revelation through four games. Yeah. He's been fantastic. No penalties, no sacks given up. He's only given up six pressures throughout the first four games. So it's, it's been really nice to see that because that was a big question mark with Lincoln Thompson left and that position needed to be filled. We, we were qu- kind of questioning, like, you know, is he going to be able to do it? Cause last year he struggled. So it's been really, a really pleasant surprise to see that there. And I think that once Trent Williams comes back, that left side of the line will be a lot, a lot more solidified. Brendel seems to be settling in the center now. And, you know, the, the, there's a little bit of flux at right guard because they don't know whether Burford is, is, is going to be able to take over for um, Bronskill or not full time. And they, they were kind of like shuttling them in and out of the mm-hmm. game yesterday, uh, this past week. But really, again, I feel like they're going to be able to dominate the run game. And I don't care, honestly, if Kittle's staying in and blocking and they're, they're winning games and they're dominating teams, it's not a big deal. But eventually, like, yeah, like that's something that they'll have to remedy. Yeah, I so, think yeah. they'll catch up to him eventually. Yeah, um, you mentioned Banks. Yeah, he he has. You know, I, I'm you know me. I always worry about everything. So you get a guy coming in there that's unproven, but he's he's been really good. And, and looking back at that 2021 draft, now Lance is a big TBD. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Great hopes for him. Great talent. We just don't know yet. Aaron Banks looks good now in that sack for that second round pick. If he's a stalwart that guard, that was a good pick. The third round is uh, Trey Sermon and Amory Thomas. But then you look at what they did in the later rounds, where this is where the Lynch and Peters and, and Kyle Shannon, this is where they flourished. So Jalen Moore is a fifth round pick, and he's, you know, he's going to, he's going to swing linemen, right? Backup linemen for a fifth round. You, no, nothing wrong with that. But then the next three picks Lenore, Hufunga, Eli Mitchell. In the fifth round, pick 172 was Lenore, pick 180 was Hufunga, and then the sixth round was Eli Mitchell. That's phenomenal for the yeah. fifth and the sixth round phenomenal. And then you look at other guys they've got, they've gotten it late, obviously Kittle DJ Jones. I'm sure I'm forgetting a million people. Um, they've done so well in the back of that draft. And that's where, you know, we get on this team and you know that's what we do, right? Where we do content, we do a show. We're going to talk about the hits and misses, but overall, when you look at a roster that's this good, yeah, the quarterback stuff, they got, they absolutely have to figure that out. But overall, you know, if you miss on a Solomon Thomas or a Ruben Foster, you know, you're making it up mm-hmm. later in the draft. You're getting a Fred Warner in the third round. You're, you know, you're getting a Hufunga in the sixth round. You're getting a George Kittle in the fifth. You know, they're making it up. It doesn't matter where you get these players, I guess, as long as you get them, right? So I thought that was pretty interesting today. I saw it somewhere, somewhere, someone had posted the 2021 draft and I was like, oh, that's that's pretty damn good because we weren't too sure about that this time last year or even this off season. And now it's like, wow, looks good. Looks good. Yeah. And there's so much credit that needs to go to John Lynch, Adam Peters, and obviously Kyle as well. It's his game. It's in, and he, he puts these guys to work and, and finds fits for them. 
but that's how teams, that's how championship teams are built, right? Like if you remember those Seattle teams that were, that were really good Legion of boom where Sherman played, that's how they were built, right? Earl mm -hmm. Thomas was the first rounder, but they were all late round slash undrafted free agent picks in secondary and they were able to make it work. And it's, it's good for the championship window because those guys are uh, that those guys come on rookie contracts and right away they're contributing. And that allows you the flexibility to be able to improve your teams other ways. Yep. And I think that's where the frustration of Trey getting hurt was, was that, you know, another year of the rookie contract and, and they can't really take advantage of it. But that being said, this offsets it a little bit when you have all the guys that you mentioned playing on rookie contracts and being significant contributors. I think they should just trade all their first round picks and just get like, you know, impact <laughs> players and then just like trade them back for like fifth, fifth round picks. And that's it, right? That's all you need. Just pick in the fifth, fifth and sixth round. That's all I got to do. That's, it. that's it. It's very simple, right? Like, that's all I need. You can get a ton of them if you trade your first and your second, right? Just get like right? exactly. 30 round picks. And then you got all George Kittles and Hufungas. And no, it is. It, it's amazing. It's amazing what they've done. And they've had some good first rounders too. I mean, Nick Bosa, obviously, yeah. franchise changer type pick, you know. Mm -hmm. Um McGlinchey was a five has been a five-year starter. I don't know if he'll be past this year, but that's a solid pick, you know, things mm -hmm. like that. They've they've overall done really well. And you have this kind of roster, you know, it's easy to nitpick, but overall they've they've done really, really well. It's it, it's fun to see. So all right, Zane, do you have a score prediction for this game? Um, so I'm gonna say the Niners will get to 24 points. It'll be like a 24-13 type of game. Uh, I don't see, I don't see unless and I just make some stupid mistakes, but also I'm, I'm speaking of stupid mistakes. We didn't touch on this at all in either show, but I'm kind of concerned about Ray McLeod and his ball security. Yes. Me too. I'm me concerned too. about that because like, there's been a couple times where he had a good return last game. Like for, you know, this is the first time that he kind of was able to, to break one a little bit and take it down to midfield. But I'm concerned about that. I don't know. Are you, are you as concerned as I am about that? I am because that was the thing with him that I because I you know I didn't see a lot of him playing in Pittsburgh but you know you read up on guys or whatever the thing with him is like because I'm like oh this guy's electric I really would like to see what Kyle would do with him but they're like yeah he has ball security problems and you know again with as a 49ers fan you have PTSD um, yeah. Kyle Williams and you know stuff like that and like yeah. he again it was and this is the stuff that worries me that Rams game when he fumbled the ball okay the Niners got it back not a big deal what if that happens and they don't get it back? You know, those are the things that can take a winnable game when you're not scoring a ton of points and turn it into a loss. And yeah, he kind of, he's kind of starting to scare me too. It's funny that you said that because I actually wrote it down in my notes and I totally forgot to talk about it because he's definitely worrying me a little bit. We'll have to see how the season goes on, but you, again, you have to worry in a big spot. Is he going to try to break one and the ball is going to pop? And before you know it, you know, bad things happen. Yeah. So if they don't, if they don't do something like that, if they don't have a, like a, a silly, foolish turnover or a couple turnovers like that, I don't think that this should be any, any issue for them. As long as everybody stays healthy. And as long as, you know, Jamie doesn't turn it over, as long as they don't have any crazy turnovers that there, there are always defense breakdowns that happen. That's fine. But like, if you're up by a, a, a you know, a couple scores, it's not, it's not as big of a deal. As long as Kyle's not up by 10 points, it's him and 10 points, dude, that's whatever it is with 10 points. Make it make it nine or eleven or twelve. Just don't make it ten points in the fourth quarter, right? Just the, yeah. we'll, we'll be good then. How about twenty eight points? How about a blowout for once? Can we just can it be easy one time? Just please let's do it. Just let's, let's do enjoy it. it. Let's enjoy it. So, all right, and Zane, you're set to open the show because every time you do, right? When it's your Absolutely. turn, to open, it's usually a win. So we're just gonna already yeah. pencil it in for you to open the next show. And we'll be good to go. So, <laughs> excellent. Hey, and congratulations, Aaron Judge, man. Before we get out of here, we, I just want to, you know, baseball playoffs are coming up, and it's, it's that rare time of year 
where if you're a sports fan, this is the this is the best time of year because all oh, yeah. four major sports are all playing at this time now, right? You've got preseason in both hockey and basketball. You've got playoffs in baseball. You've got NFL season in the thick of it now. It's a really fun time of year if you're a sports fan. Yeah, I got my Rangers banner if you're watching on YouTube behind me. I'm a big New York Rangers hockey fan. I like the Lakers, and you hate LeBron. So the LeBron thing <laughs> will get irrationally mad at LeBron from the second that tips off, which I always love. Um, and even though it's been – I'm not a LeBron guy either, so it's been a little rough for him on the Lakers with me – for me with him on the Lakers. But, um, yeah, it's awesome, man. you got all four major sports going. Um you know, if you want to count college football, it's, you know, it's five different things to watch. It's, 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 it's an awesome time of year. Fall is happening. It's, it's good stuff, man. It's just, it's, it's a fun time to be a sports fan and I don't want to do anything but sit on my couch and drink beer and watch sports. It's all I want to do. Exactly. I mean, it was fun. fun. It's, you say it's fall right now. It's funny today. It was like 90 degrees here in the, in the Bay area. <laughs> so Not like, here. Oh, like, man, like it was, it was awfully, awfully hot today over here, but that's great because, you know, like that's what we pay for here in California because over the real estate prices for, for what? So that's what we pay for. Also is, so I want to get your thoughts on the, the home run record real quick. So Aaron judge gets 62 last night. Roger Maris jr. Is like, he's the new home run King. Mm-hmm. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? I just think the steroid era happened. So and I think there's such, so you can't discount it. And there's such a double standard because people, and I do, I do, when people have their opinions on it, I do, steroids does not help you hit a baseball, but steroids turns a ball that's 10 feet in front of the wall, over the wall. You're just bigger and stronger. Judge hit 62 because he's bigger and stronger than everybody else. That's part of the reason why he did it. But it happened. So 73 is, is the record. In baseball, there's such a double standard and so many people on their soapboxes. You know, Bonds isn't getting in the Hall of Fame and Clevins isn't getting in. But David Ortiz is in. And yeah. you put Bud Selig, who presided over all of it, and let it happen in the Hall of Fame. So when you're going to do things like that, like, like don't preach to me about, you know, that's the, I have the people, I have trouble with people on their soapbox when that sort of thing has happened. So it's a double standard. There's definitely guys in the Hall of Fame who have done roids. Definitely. You know, it was rampant in that era. So it happened. Um, as a Yankee fan, I, you know, I, I love that he hit the 62 it was special for a Yankee fan. I could see why somebody in Milwaukee may not give a shit, you know, for, <laughs> yeah. for, for, for me, I thought it was great. And, um, is it the real record? I think, I think it depends on, I think people are going to have different opinions on that. And I know nobody wants that, right? Everybody's got to attack people for their opinions, but I think the story era happens. So you have to recognize those numbers, but if people feel differently, that's their opinion, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's part of, you know, their interpretation of it. So I don't have an issue with people think either way. I think they're entitled to that opinion. Um, just don't tell other people how to think, I guess. Yeah. And remember, p- pitchers were juicing too. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. So everybody was doing it. Everybody's doing it. Pitchers juicing, the hitters are juicing. And I'll be honest, man, that was a lot of fun to watch. Like as a kid growing up, like you see these like giant, like bodybuilders, like just jacking 500 foot bombs. It was kind of cool, right? Like it was like, wow, we didn't know. We didn't, you know, nobody suspected. But when Jose Canseco came out with that book, like we were like, that's what that kind of like raised people's ears, right? Raise the alarm. And, and that, yeah. at that point, people started to suspect it. But when we didn't know about it, it was actually really fun to watch. Like you remember that summer in 98 when, when so some McGuire, McGuire was my favorite player growing up, right? So for me, it was awesome to see that, right? It was fantastic. And baseball was like, quote, unquote, back after that, after the strike years. So I think that, you know, like there's there's been a lot of course correction for baseball, but this has been a really fun story. And I think that the wild card format, they got it right. Three games for the wild card, they yeah. got it right. So I think there's they're taking a lot of steps in the right direction to, to kind of become relevant again. So it's nice to see. Yeah. That. 
I hope so because I used to be a huge baseball fan, and to be honest with you, it's I have a hard time getting into things now. I mean, I'm still a big Yankee fan, but I used to live and die with the Yankees, and now I'm just kind of I don't know. It just hasn't been as exciting to me lately. I don't know if it's because of the way the games played. Well, I think it is because of the the way the games played. You know, guys striking out 200 times, and you know, you look back in the day, Don Mattingly striking out 30 times, Tony Gwynn striking out 20 times. You know, it was just a different game. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but we'll see. Hopefully, what you know, we'll start to come back, but. Yeah, in terms of that record, it's Bonds' record because it happened. You can't just say it didn't happen. It did. That that was the era. Babe Ruth was hitting against guys probably throwing 75 miles an hour. You you know, like, it's like... That, and and there were, were like, um, African-American people weren't allowed to play when Babe Ruth was playing. Yeah, that too. Like, until Jackie Robinson came and broke the color barrier, like, they they were not allowed to play. So, it's like, how can you you count that when, when there's no guarantee that Babe Ruth was playing against the the best athletes in the world, right? Probably no way he was. Yep. Yep. Yep, so. 100%. So, but yeah, we'll save the rest for our uh, our baseball podcast that we yes. do. So. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, we got to get out of here for Dana Sazelle. Peace.